The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Too often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra. Welcome everyone to Generation Regeneration. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host. Thank you for joining me, whether it be live or on demand. We love and appreciate all of our listeners. And our goal with the show is to provide information and support for those who want to take ownership of their health and engage in a lifestyle that regenerates their body, mind, and spirit. We want to light the path which leads away from the conventional sick care system to the real health care system. And today, we have Justin Mandel, an acupuncture physician who's the inventor of the patented bladder re-expansion technique, rehabilitative procedure for people who suffer from overactive bladder. He has been seeing patients since 1997 and currently practices at his Rapid Health Response office in St. Petersburg, Florida. He has helped thousands of patients overcome a variety of health issues. And we're going to discuss his training and how he provides real health care to his patients. You can learn more about his work at www.rapidhealthresponse.com. Welcome to the show, Justin. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Sandra. It's great to be here with you. And in reading over your credentials, I have to say they are impressive. And on your website, you mention that Quote, oftentimes, I have heard it said that my education and training was more difficult than conventional Western medical training since I need to understand both Western and Eastern medicine, unquote. So I'd like to ask you to describe the education and training that you received for our listeners who may not be familiar with these fields of acupuncture and oriental medicine. So let's start with your role as acupuncture physician. Can you describe your background and the different titles that acupuncturists may have? Absolutely. So in my particular case, I have a four-year master's degree in traditional oriental medicine. My program was about a little less than 3,500 total hours, and that includes uh, observationships, uh, clinical assistantships, uh, and internships as well. Um, so our, our program, it was, uh, it was uh, very long. Uh, it's a very hard program. From what I hear, approximately uh, around 80% of people that apply to acupuncture schools, they do not make it all the way through. 
so, yeah, we definitely absolutely uh, study uh, Western medicine in acupuncture uh, school. Uh, approximately one-third of all of my curriculum that I studied was Western medicine. So we took classes like uh, chemistry and biochemistry, uh, pharmacology, uh, ortho-neuro evaluation to be able to evaluate patients uh, in a neurological basis. Uh, so we, we had a very, very, very thorough education. And uh, it, it's actually a very interesting thing what's happening right now. If somebody, for example, gets sick, regardless of what state they're in, whether it's, let's say, Hawaii or Minnesota, uh, Kentucky, it doesn't matter. If somebody goes to a medical doctor, then a medical doctor, uh, it's the same standards for medical doctors in every state. What's happening right now, now in the United States is the standards aren't as universal. So, for example, different acupuncturists will have different titles as you go from state to state. So, for example, in New York State, I would consider to be uh, a licensed acupuncturist. Uh, in Connecticut, I would be considered to be a certified acupuncturist. In Rhode Island, I would cons be considered to be a doctor of acupuncture. And here in Florida, I'm considered to be an acupuncture physician. Okay, very interesting. Thank you for that description. So that is good to know that the title depends on which state you're practicing in. So if you wish to visit acupuncturists, it might be a good idea just to do a little bit of research so you understand what to look for. Now, with oriental medicine, it is quite different from conventional Western allopathic medicine. Can you describe for us what those differences are? Uh, yeah, it's actually, it's very, very different, actually. It's very, very interesting. And really what happens is uh, Western medicine is really based on symptomatology. So in other words, you go to the, your doctor's office, and they're really looking to just sort of get rid of the symptoms. Uh, and they're really, I would say, the primary difference is the difference between that and what we do uh, as practitioners of oriental medicine. Uh, we're looking to eradicate the root cause of what is causing those symptoms. So for example, if, if a doctor is doing a symptom-based treatment and they're giving some sort of uh, drug for whatever symptoms those might be, if the root itself is not removed, then those symptoms might appear at another point in time. So our goal really is to just get rid of the root itself. This way, those symptoms never appear again. That's right. Yes. And with conventional medicine, when it comes to just treating the symptoms, you may, on, may be on the same medication for years or decades because the root cause has never been addressed. That's, that's 100% uh, true, and it's extremely common, and I'm sure many of your listeners out there uh, you know, can easily understand that maybe no people that actually that's happening to. That's right. Yes. Now, similar question about Chinese herbology, which you are also certified in. What type of training did you receive to come become board certified in this area, and how do you use that to help your patients? Yes. So, yeah, actually what's really interesting is out of all of the training that I have, I would have to say that Chinese herbology was probably the most interesting. Uh, not to say that acupuncture isn't interesting. It really is all fascinating. 
but to be able to understand what these herbs can do uh, for different conditions. It's really so utterly uh, amazing. Um, so in the case of uh, going through an herbal program and becoming board certified and passing your board certification test, I had to study around 375 to 400 single herbs. Uh, and every single one of those herbs, uh, there's many facets that each herb actually has. So, for example, you need to know the name of the herb. You need to know the type of acupuncture channels that that herb uh, enters into. You need to know the properties of the herb. So, for example, uh, talcum powder. Everybody has talcum powder at home. So, in Chinese medicine, we consider talcum powder to be sweet, bland, and cold. And also, every single herb, it has different actions and indications, and it also has contraindications. Uh, and then beyond that, we're, we're also trained to learn around 120 uh, different type of herbal formulas. And in every herbal formula, on average, there's around 8 to 12 herbs in each of those that all work synergistically uh, together in order to help the patient. That's great. And can you give us an example of an herb that you may commonly use and how it works? Uh, well, you know what? I think I think that, uh, for example, I think that ginseng is uh, is very common. Uh, it's often heard about, let's say, in the media. I would say clinically, it's really not something that's used as frequently uh, as one might think. So, for example, if you walked into a health food store and if you were looking to get more energy, let's say, then uh, ginseng might be an obvious choice, let's say. Um, and the way that we see things is we really see things, if you will, as a spectrum. So, for example, it might not be until somebody has more of an aggravated condition um, where they'll actually need ginseng. So, for example, uh, if somebody is suffering from adrenal insufficiency, then in a case like that, ginseng would probably be a good thing to use with that patient to help boost them up and to help sort of bolster their, their, their constitution. Interesting, yes. And so you're using these things in conjunction with your acupuncture treatments, again, to get at the root cause of whatever the person may be suffering from. Now, that, there are that's exactly yeah. it, yep. So there are other similar techniques, too, which I've heard of, acupressure and tapping. Can you explain the differences between acupuncture and those? I can, and it's actually a really interesting question because really the bottom line, the research shows that the most important thing is to stimulate the acupuncture point. And it doesn't matter how. It's very clear that the research shows that. So, for example, you can stimulate the point using acupuncture. You can stimulate the point using pressure. You can stimulate the point using light, like, for example, laser. You could stimulate the point using sound. Uh, you could stimulate the point also, like you mentioned, through tapping. So really, I mean, everything has to be situation-specific. So 
So, for example, um, tapping, uh, your, a lot of your listeners might have heard something uh, of something called emotional freedom technique. That's right. So tapping is a great way for somebody to try to uh, sort of self-treat themselves and, and access the different channels and basically move the energy through the channels on their own. Uh, in case they can't self-treat or they don't have the knowledge, then uh, an acupuncturist doing acupuncture or maybe for somebody who has a fear of needles or maybe a small child, a young child, um, uh, acupressure might be uh, a good solution for that as well. So with acupuncture, the needles are left in for, let's say, anywhere from 15 to 30, maybe 45 minutes at a time. And otherwise, the tapping and uh, the pressure, uh, at least as far as time goes, um, those those types of methods, uh, they, they're not uh, basically stimulating the points for as long of a time. Okay, interesting. Very nice description of the differences. And like you say, they're all good for different situations. So they're all wonderful techniques. It it just may be uh, what your situation is at the time, what the best one is to use. That's it, yep. So thank you for this description thus far of acupuncture. We're going to get into it a little bit more as well in the next segment. Uh, But for right now, let's go to a short break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra, and I'm talking to acupuncture physician Justin Mandel. And he just described his field of acupuncture, oriental medicine, and Chinese herbology. And next, we're going to delve into how he uses this knowledge to provide real health care to his patients, particularly regarding pain management and overactive bladder. Thanks again for joining us and stay tuned to learn more about Justin's work. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called wholetreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. 
To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest today is acupuncture physician Justin Mandel, who practices at his office Rapid Health Response in St. Petersburg, Florida. And Justin just described his field of practice in the first segment, which combines acupuncture, oriental medicine, and Chinese herbology. Now let's get into how he uses his extensive training to help patients, first with pain management, which is a big problem for many people. Now Justin, can you explain for a moment how acupuncture works with the meridians and needles and how pain can be effectively treated with this technique? Uh, yeah, absolutely. My favorite explanation really is, uh, for example, when somebody gets a mosquito bite, uh, what ends up happening is if you actually look at that area where the mosquito ended up landing, um, and what ends up happening after some time is the skin in that area, it becomes a little raised, it becomes a little red, there's a red circle that basically uh, happens right in that area right there. And what What's happening is our brains are recognizing that something from outside of our body, something from in the environment, basically came in through our skin barrier and basically uh, invaded our space. So then what happens is our brains actually know that this is taking place. So it basically sends our body's immune system to the area. Histamine is released, and that's what causes that red circle. Uh, and that raised area right there. And acupuncture really works in a similar way. Our brains know that something from outside of our body has entered and penetrated uh, deep below our skin. And really what's happening is uh, our bodies, our bodies really are this just uh, miracle of nature is what it comes down to. And uh, as a result of that, our bodies can heal by taking these needles in and basically everything cohesively uh, works together and that's what makes it natural and that's part of what makes it so great. So you can you explain what the meridian system is in the body? Because acupuncture really takes advantage of that, correct? Absolutely. Sure, sure. So I'd be happy to. So what happens is, just like we have a nervous system in the body, uh, we also have this invisible meridian system. And the meridians extend out from all of our uh, organs. Every single organ uh, is connected to a different meridian. There's 12 major meridians in the body. And basically what we can do is by stimulating different points along those meridians, we can affect different things in the body. So, for example, if we're having some sort of digestive issue, um, the, the way that oriental medicine sees it, they see that as a problem with the spleen. So what we would do is we would, we would work with the spleen channel to help affect the spleen, the organ itself, and to basically improve its, its functionality. Okay. 
So basically, the underlying viridian system is the basis for acupuncture and acupressure and the emotional freedom technique as well. So it's the same basic philosophy that guides all of those. That's correct. Absolutely. So now with acupuncture, you use the sterilized needles. So I have to ask, can you explain, is it uncomfortable at all? And are there any risks? Great question. So is it uncomfortable? Uh, for, for some people, some people, just like I described it before, as like getting a, a mosquito bite, uh, sometimes people will uh, refer to it like that. Uh, otherwise, once the needles are actually in the body, it's incredibly pleasant. Um, it, it, it has a, a, an effect on the body that you just have to experience for yourself. It is severely relaxing. A lot of people describe it as being more relaxing even than massage. Uh, and like I said, it's really something you have to get your own experience of it to understand. Um, I've had people that have come in to see me before and they'll just outright say, I've never been able to take a nap during the day in my life. And five minutes later, they're out like a light. So it's really <laughs> yeah. severely relaxing. I would agree with that. I've done acupuncture for years and sometimes if the meridian is being treated as a little tender you may feel a little something as the needle goes in but it doesn't last and like you say it's very relaxing you sit in a very relaxing environment there may be some soothing music playing um, the acupuncturist will come in and check on you maybe once or twice during the half hour or 45 minutes that you're getting your treatment but it's very pleasant I've never found it to be uncomfortable at all now, this technique can be used to treat different types of pain. And in your clinic, you specialize in treating upper back and neck pain with a technique you developed called trap ease. So can you explain how this technique works? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what happens is stress accumulates in our body really mainly in two places. For a lot of people, it attacks people in their gut. And for a lot of those people, they'll end up with irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, and otherwise, the other place where stress, for whatever reason, really tends to collect is in our upper back area close to our neck. And that area, that's the trapezius muscles right over there. And what happens for, you know, it's, it's very common for computer users, for example, to develop problems in that area, possibly due to bad posture or bad positioning. So what happens a lot of the time is what needs to happen to really be able to relax that area and to get everything uh, to, to really get situated the way that it needs to be so somebody isn't in pain is that area, the muscles in that area right there need to be broken up actually. And what ends up happening is it's really actually interesting because what happens is when we have bad posture, a lot of the times the muscles will sort of lock up in place. And the only way to undo that, the only successful way is to get the individual muscle fibers that are in the muscles to basically realign. And the only way really to do that is to go in and do deep manual therapy and basically to break up the knots and to get those muscle fibers to basically stretch out and relax again. So does this involve any type of massage in addition to acupuncture? 
Yes, exactly okay. correct. Right. So we'll we'll initially use acupuncture to help relax the area, and then afterwards, when the needles come out, I'll actually go in. I'll try to uh, get a good understanding of exactly where those knots are, and I'll start to break those knots up. And over time, uh, those knots will completely break up, and then for somebody to actually. Uh, we don't live in a vacuum. So, for for uh, for example, some people, some of these symptoms might return, but by and large, people really end up becoming pain-free through this process that I go through with them. Interesting. So how effective would you say that it is? Do you think you're able to help all or most of the patients that see you with these symptoms? I can't say all because there is one body type that doesn't, for for whatever reason, it just doesn't really gel with this type of technique. But I would say my success rate is easily right around 90% or so. It's really, really high. That's really good. And so basically, I assume you're able to get people off of pain medications by dealing with oh, the yeah, cause. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and what's really remarkable is uh, they're just so grateful because in a case like this also, we're getting to the root cause of what is causing the problem. And by taking that pain medicine, it's really just masking what the issue is. So when we get rid of the issue, then there's no more reason to take pain medication. Exactly. That's, that's what you want to do. Get to the root cause and get off of the medication that just treats the symptoms. Now, Absolutely. you mentioned here that you've combined uh, acupuncture and massage for your trapeze treatment. Do you work closely with other complementary healthcare practitioners like chiropractors, for example, who work on structural alignment and nervous system issues? Yeah, it, it becomes a little complicated sometimes, but I'll definitely work together with other practitioners at the same time. The difficulty becomes when that happens. It becomes uh, really an issue to try to sort out what is actually working for the patient. So mm-hmm. by by having the patient really doing only one type of treatment modality at a time, it becomes much easier to try to figure out exactly what's working. If somebody, for example, is going to see many, many people, let's say a chiropractor, a massage therapist, uh, an acupuncture physician, maybe a homeopath. At that point, it really becomes hard to sort through and see who is affecting the change. So That's true. depending on the circumstances, it's really best to work with one practitioner at a time. That's a very good point. Now, what about with conventional medical treatments? Do your patients commonly combine acupuncture with care that they may be receiving from a conventional medical doctor? They do, absolutely. They, they definitely do. And again, it's really speci- uh, situation specific again in that case. Uh, oftentimes, uh, oftentimes somebody will actually come into the office because they haven't had success uh, with conventional treatment. And, you know, they are looking to get that root uh, eradicated. Uh, and, and that's our job. And that's really what we do best. Um, however, for example, let's say uh, with with a cancer patient. A cancer patient absolutely uh, is getting chemotherapy. They're getting radiation. We will work with that patient to try to uh, help with their symptoms of, let's say, nausea and vomiting. So we 
will definitely work with Western doctors hand in hand. That's right. Yeah, that's that's a very good policy. Okay, thank you for all of this information. And that brings us to our next break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And I'm talking to acupuncture physician Justin Mandel. And he just described how acupuncture is a safe and effective treatment for many types of pain. And in particular, upper back and neck pain with a technique he developed called trapeze that gets at the root cause of the pain. Now stay close because we're going to discuss next how Justin works with those suffering from overactive bladder, a very inconvenient situation. We'll do that on the other side. See you soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called WholeTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest today is acupuncture physician Justin Mandel, who practices at his Rapid Health Response office in St. Petersburg, Florida. In the previous segment, we discussed Justin's work with pain management. So now let's touch upon his soon-to-be-released book, Top 10 Overactive Bladder Food Triggers, Modify Your Diet and Minimize Your Bathroom Visits. Justin, can you explain for those listeners out there who have a urinary problem and might not be sure if they have overactive bladder, what it actually is? Oh, absolutely. I think that's really important. Uh, I think what happens is, you know, people are easily confused. Um, There's a lot of different uh, things 
that can go wrong with the body. But in this case with overactive bladder, overactive bladder, it's a grouping of four different types of symptoms. And it doesn't mean that somebody has to have all four of them at one time, but they do have to have a minimum of two of them at a time. So they can have anywhere from two, three, or four of these different symptoms that are all happening simultaneously at the same time. So overactive bladder, it really consists of frequent urination, uh, urgent urination, nighttime urination, and urinary leaking. Okay. And can you explain to us the basis of your book and what percentage of people who have overactive bladder can be positively impacted by its recommendations? Yeah, absolutely. So this is really, really great stuff because I really love the concept of empowering people to do as much possible for themselves as they can to benefit themselves. So in this case, what it comes down to is we know that different foods will affect the body in different ways. So for example, if we, let's say we have some cayenne pepper or something like that, um, that's going to make us feel hot and thirsty. We're going to have to drink water. So in the same sense, uh, we know that there are these top 10 overactive bladder trigger foods that irritate uh, the lining of the urinary bladder. And when that happens, naturally, you'll have to go to the bathroom more. So if you know what these different top 10 overactive bladder food triggers are, then it's really just a matter of eliminating them or the ones that are affecting you uh, from your diet. Uh, And in that way, you're able to, just through your food intake alone, you're able to minimize how many bathroom visits you actually have to make during the average day. Uh, And in this case, what, what, what seems to be happening is up to around 90% of the people that have overactive bladder can be benefited just by doing this simple diet modification uh, system. Okay, that's great information for people to have because I would imagine that someone with overactive bladder, it really impacts the quality of your life because you're just not It's free. a major impactor, absolutely. Yeah. It affects so many things. Uh, you know, it's very, uh, most of us really don't give any consideration to needing to, you know, let's say go to the grocery store or, or taking a trip to visit our family. But what will happen is with people with severe cases of overactive bladder, they will literally need to plan their trip according to different bathroom stops that they can make along the way. So, right. yeah, it's deeply impacting for people, absolutely. Right. Now, can you mention a few types of the foods that are included in your book that do exacerbate this condition? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So, for example, we were mentioning cayenne pepper before. So, cayenne pepper, pepper spices, uh, black pepper, that's definitely one of the types of trigger foods uh, that affect people. Uh, Another one, for example, uh, which really people and uh, for the people that absolutely love Italian food out there, you know, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, this is just how things are. Uh, In this case, tomatoes, actually. 
are considered to be one of those trigger foods. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you have overactive bladder and you love uh, a rich uh, spaghetti sauce, let's say, that's really full of tomatoes, it might be a good idea not to uh, have a spaghetti sauce like that uh, with your meal. Okay. And I was surprised uh, one of them on your list, cranberries, which I thought were supposed to be very good. For your bladder. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Actually, uh, cranberries are supposed to be good if you have uh, cystitis. So that's a different type of urinary condition. Uh, but in this case, with overactive bladder, cranberries is one of those trigger foods that you will want to avoid. Okay. And once people start going down the path of modifying their diet, how long do they need to wait to start seeing the result? Uh, that's a great question, and probably to, to the delight of many of your listeners, it could be really as little as 24 hours. So, for example, if you happen to pick one of the trigger foods that are negatively affecting you, and if you just happen to pick one of those that are, that are wrong for your body, then it could be a very, very short amount of time uh, for you to be able to figure out uh, you really what to avoid, what you want to eliminate from your diet. Otherwise, it takes around, uh, takes around 20 days or so. It takes about 48 hours to go through each food to be able to uh, figure out which of the 10 is really bothering your bladder. Okay. Yes, I had a, a guest on just a few weeks ago, Susan Ingebretson, who wrote a book about fibromyalgia called Fibromyalgia. And what she referred to was becoming a food detective. She highly recommended that for people suffering with that syndrome so that you can figure out for yourself what may work for you and what may not. So it sounds like with this book, this is a great list, but it may not be applicable to everybody. So you may have to go in there and just become a food detective and experiment for yourself and see what has the largest impact. Yeah, that's exactly the case. And, you know, I think, I think it becomes really a rich, rewarding experience because it's a way for you to learn about your body. And by, by really figuring out what foods are going into your body and how it affects you, it could really, really improve your life. That's right. And so maybe the idea is to not necessarily go cold turkey on everything. Uh, how would you suggest that people sort of go about being a food detective with this list? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there, there are so many great foods out there, and so many foods give us pleasure when we eat them. And I'd really hate to see any of your listeners just sort of uh, think that they would have to take all 10 of these different types of foods out of their diet. It could be, for example, it could be that only two of these foods are really, really antagonizing uh, their bladder. So in a case like that, it doesn't make sense to, let's say, eradicate the other eight foods from the list. So really what it calls for is you really need to go through uh, this list that's in the book methodically. And basically what you're going to do is every 
every around 48 hours or so, you're going to eliminate another type of food, and you're going to keep on doing that. And you're going to keep a journal at the same time, so this way you know how many times you're going to the bathroom. You don't have to remember. And then at the end of the these uh, tw- uh, 20 days, you're going to be able to go back on your list. You're going to be able to read through and see which of these foods are basically causing you to go to the bathroom the most. Yes. Okay. That's a really good way to go about it. Yeah, I know I come from an Italian background. And so if I had to give up tomatoes, it would be very heartbreaking to me. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm sure there are other people out there who have their favorite foods. So uh, the idea is to go ahead and experiment and see what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Exactly. So we are talking about overactive bladder. And so my question is, is this primarily a result of age or other lifestyle factors? Can it be avoided entirely? Uh, I, I don't think it can be avoided entirely per se. Uh, you know, we live in a very, very busy society. Um, you know, it's very hard for us to take care of our bodies the way that we really need to. So I don't think it's really uh, possible to completely uh, eliminate it um, so we can't get it. But generally what happens is, yeah, it does happen over time. Uh, and really what the studies are showing is that people start to actually, mostly it's really people over the age of 45 that it affects. Some of the studies are are showing the age starting as actually early as 35, but generally, typically, uh, overactive bladder starts to affect people uh, at the age of 45 and older. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that description of this situation. And in the next segment, we're actually going to get into what you've developed, again, to treat more of the root cause of this. In addition to controlling your diet, there are other things that can be done. So we will get into that on the other side. And it's time right now for a short break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And I'm talking to acupuncture physician, Justin Mandel. And we We'll wrap up on the other side with some more information about overactive bladder and then some contact information for Justin. Thanks very much and see you in a few. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called WholeTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. GMOs or genetically modified organisms are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. 
Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and my guest for today is acupuncture physician Justin Mandel, who practices at his Rapid Health Response office in St. Petersburg, Florida. And we just discussed how Justin published a book coming out on the topic of overactive bladder that specifically deals with modifying one's diet, which is essentially putting the patient in control of their own well-being, which is very empowering. So now, Justin, I understand you've developed another technique to deal with this as well called bladder re-expansion. So can you get into detail as to how that works and how that helps deal with the root cause of this condition? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so this is really, really interesting. Uh, this is a, a totally breakthrough, revolutionary uh, approach to overactive bladder. Um, so first of all, let, let's start off by saying this. Uh, generally what happens when somebody goes in uh, to their doctor uh, and they have an overactive bladder, um, you know, a lot of times they're given pharmaceutical uh, drugs for overactive bladder. A lot of your listeners are probably very familiar with all of these commercials that we see on TV for it. That's uh, right. Pharmaceutical companies, yeah, they, they're, they're pumping um, just millions and millions of dollars into really awareness uh, about it so people can take their, their drugs. And um, what happens is uh, really everybody is blaming the bladder on the problem. And based on all of my time, all of my research, all of my experience with seeing patients, uh, that is actually not the case, which really becomes very interesting. Because normally we, w- we would think if you have an overactive bladder, we would normally think, hey, the problem is with the bladder. Uh, but again, based on all of my experience, I am not seeing that at all. And uh, what's actually happening according to, according to all of everything that I have done just for years of time, what seems to be happening is it's not that there's a problem with the bladder itself, um, which, is, which is very interesting. What's actually happening is the bladder is actually healthy. Uh, and and I, will, I do want to qualify that for a second because there are patients who have overactive bladder and there's a problem actually with the nerves themselves that connect to the brain and that happens, that happens in a smaller percentage of people. Um, however, what's actually happening from, from what I can tell, your bladder is actually healthy. But the problem is what's happening around the bladder. 
And what's happening is that the, the environment that surrounds the bladder is not letting our bladders actually properly fill up uh, with urine the way that it's supposed to. So really what it comes down to, we keep on talking about uh, going to the root of the problem. And in this case, uh, what really needs to happen is we just need to fix what's happening around the bladder to get the bladder to be able to fill up with urine like it's supposed to do. And uh, it's, really, it's, it's really amazing because as this area around the bladder gets corrected over time, people will end up, uh, they'll, they'll have to go to the bathroom less. Uh, ultimately, they can actually uh, eliminate all of those extra bathroom visits. Uh, and, for example, even the urgency, uh, as soon as that area starts to get uh, corrected, that urgency will also greatly diminish. So what happens in that area around the bladder? What, what's going on? Yep. Yep, good good question. So if we're actually looking physically at the bladder and what's going on around the bladder, we know that there are many different organs, glands that are in the area. In men, we know that the prostate gland is below the bladder. We know that the prostate gland, when it gets swollen, it actually uh, gets inflamed and uh, it, it becomes this walnut-shaped little gland becomes very enlarged and it actually penetrates up into the bladder itself. So in a case like that, once that prostate gland uh, becomes healthier and it shrinks back down in size, the bladder could once again expand and do what it needs to do. And of course, you know, a man, obviously, they'll end up going to the bathroom less as a result. What's also happening, though, uh, from the top of the bladder and uh, from the back of the bladder, we actually have our intestines. And from what I can tell, there's actually a, a holistic spectrum, if you will, of health that actually needs to happen uh, with, with, our, uh, w- with our bowels. So once our bowels um, really can become healthier, then at that point, our bladder could once again fill up and do what it needs to do and function the way that it's supposed to function. I see. So that's interesting. So again, we're one body with a lot of systems that are dependent on each other. So, you know, just because you may be having a bladder issue, it may be due to some other system nearby. So that does uh, yeah, make sense. I'm actually really glad. I just want to. I just want to say this because you just really hit the nail totally on the head. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because based on all of the research that we're doing, and I have a medical doctor that's doing research for me for this. What we've actually identified to this date is that there are eight different connections that actually happen between the bladder and the bowels. And I'd like to run through that list really quickly. And I think what's going to happen is over time, we're going to see more and more of these connections actually take place. So there's a neurological connection between the bladder and the bowels. There's a sensitivity connection. There's a cellular connection. There's a chemical connection. There's a cross-organ connection. There's a muscular uh, connection. There's a receptor connection. There's a molecular connection. Wow, I had no idea. (laughs) That's really interesting. And really what that means 
is that our bowels and our bladders are intricately connected from this gross physical level all the way down to this molecular level. Wow. Okay. So having said all that, what are the prescription medications doing to control the symptom? How are they doing it? And uh, what are their shortcomings? Uh, well, their, their, their shortcomings are many, actually. Uh, and, and what's really, really important, what I really implore people to do is they really have to, uh, before they take any of these medications, uh, you know, definitely look at the different side effects that can happen. For example, one of them, um, you, you, somebody could actually end up with an entirely different uh, bladder problem from taking uh, a medication. Um, so it's really important to know what you're taking. And really the mechanisms, they all work in different ways. And some of the, some of the research is actually showing that they're just not as effective uh, as we once thought. And more than that, on the acupuncture side of things, which is interesting, there was a recent study that was done that actually shows that acupuncture is actually just as effective as this medication uh, can be for overactive bladder. Fascinating. Okay. You gave us a lot of really good information today, but we did just scratch the surface. So I'm sure if our listeners want to learn more, how can they go ahead and reach out to you and get more information? Oh, absolutely. So uh, all of your listeners, please go to my website, uh, rapidhealthresponse.com. If you do have overactive bladder or if you have a family member or a loved one that has overactive bladder, you could send them to uh, my other website, which is pless.com, and it sounds it sounds like just like what it is. It's p-e-e-l-e-s-s dot com, and there's a ton of information that people are going to be able to take a look at from there. Okay, very good. Well, thank you very much for giving all of this empowering information and for being a wonderful guest today. I really appreciate all the information that you shared about your modalities and in particular, the conditions that you specialized in. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, Sandra. I had a lot of fun. Thanks. And next week, we have another great show scheduled for you. Our guest will be Dr. Robert E. Graham, Director of Integrative Health and Wellness at North Shore LIJ Health System and a strong proponent of fresh organic food for hospital patients to support their healing. He even spearheaded the planting of a rooftop victory garden at Lenox Hill Hospital that provides fresh food for the patients and gave a great talk about this work at 10X Manhattan last March that you can check out. He's doing amazing work and I can't wait to talk to him. In the meantime, look us up on social media. My company, W Cubed, is on Facebook, and I am on Twitter, at Sandra G. Malhotra. You can learn about all of our activities at wcubedcommunity.com and sign up for updates, including promos for next week's Gen R show so that you can always be in the know. Thanks again for joining us. Namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.